Hello and welcome to this special Nerds Who Haunted Themselves roundtable conversation episode. Um, I'm Stuart Moraine and I'm joined as always by... Oh, that's me. Andy, uh, Andy Hanks, <laughs> also known as I Am Zoot. The magic is always there. And uh, yep. yeah, this time for a roundtable we're having an arty chat, so we thought we'd call in uh, the uh, big guns from uh, Art92. And uh, delighted to say we're joined by Damien Edwardson and Helen Edwardson. Anyway. Hello. Hello. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> we've um, got, just just in case you wonder, we've got Marty circling in the office at the moment. Oh, it's all right. It's settled, he's settled down, 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 now. down now. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> got to watch. He's, he's he can destroy anything with his gangly legs. Just by turning legs. around with his big big nose. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, is he is he a greyhound? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the, the reason photos. we've got him up in the office with us is because if we leave him downstairs and he hears us chatting. He gets a bit like, oh, where who are you chatting with and why aren't you with me? <laughs> so he starts howling. So he's up oh, with us because we're in the same room with him now. So he does suffer a bit of anxiety, but bless him. He's, yeah. He's ever so good. Yeah. Yeah, he's a... So if you hear any copious licking, it's not me. <laughs> so that people know that. Yeah. This time. Well. But if you hear anybody pass gas, that's not us either. So that's him. He has fierce, fierce wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that cultural enough? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we can, tick um, off, we can tick off dog farting from the list. Yes. Yeah. Dog farting, dog licking. Yeah. We're done. I'm just checking. When I sent this over, I didn't say farty round table. <laughs> oh, I misspelled it. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's all you have talking points out the window. <laughs> yeah. No, we've got no more jokes now. That's it. We're done. <laughs> um. Yeah. So anyway. Um because we're sort of in this weird time of lockdown and it seems to be bringing people's creative sides out of them and everything. Um, I thought it'd be quite nice to have a sort of chat about art that maybe might get people's creative juices going and hopefully get them out creating stuff. So I thought if we had a chat about our, our influences and how we create and that sort of thing and um, yeah, see where it goes from there. So um, yeah, I'm very much like, what would be called a hobby artist or a Sunday afternoon artist. Um, but you guys have set up the Art92 studio. Um, so, and you're taking commissions and doing comic work and that. And Andy does some scribbling, I think. Cheers, um, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, sort of, let's go to the origin story then, um, either for you guys individually or the genesis of Art92 and that sort of thing. What got you into art? And um, back into art, and made you decide to set up the Art Nine Two Studio. Yeah, sure. So Damien just pointed at me to. to <laughs> I can talk the hind leg of a donkey, to be honest. So I'm happy to talk about it. I'm going to the toilet now. I'll no. be back in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> the cheek of it, the cheek. <laughs> so I'll try and not like bore you to tears, and, and although I might put Marty to sleep while he sat behind us, but essentially we've both been artists since we were, were kids. And I say, you know, both been artists. Obviously, we've just done a lot of drawing. We used to both draw. Now I'll let Damien talk about his drawing sort of um, evolution, should we say? And then um, we'll I'll jump straight to going to art college, which is kind of another story in itself because it wasn't what it was what it was made out to be really. And having spoken to a lot of people since going to art college they all pretty much say the same thing, that it's probably the worst thing they ever did. But, um, you know, we, we did learn some bits and pieces, learned how to um, live draw, learned sort of uh, monoprinting and that kind of stuff. 
and obviously the biggest thing is that we met each other at art college as well. So, and then uh, we kind of, you know, did a bit more art and then life got in the way, as everybody knows, you know, you, you've got to pay the bills and, and all the rest of it. And then we got jobs and, and stuff like that. And then it was only later on down the line when we started to think, do you know what, why aren't we doing more artwork? And I know Damien will, has, has often said this in other podcasts that he didn't draw for a very long time. And, and myself, I didn't draw for a long time either. And it was only back in 2014 when an opportunity arose where I had the chance to start an art group in my local library. And it was my way of kind of getting more footfall in my library to start off with, because obviously there were a point where people they were starting to be closed. So we didn't want to lose that um, you know, facility. So I went over and offered my services and said, you know, can I set up some art classes? And they went, oh, that'll be fantastic. Yeah, thanks. So I set up this art class. And I had a few people turn up and then nobody turned up. And I thought, why the hell am I doing this? And then I just thought, no, just keep going, keep going. And it got to a point where I ended up with what started off as one to two people, I ended up with 30 people in the end. And it was it was fantastic insofar as I got loads of people coming from different villages coming to do um, to come to draw with me. And I taught them how to draw. And then from Damien seeing me do this, he said, hmm, I think I might start getting drawing again. Because I used to I used to push myself out of my comfort zone to do things that I wanted my art group to do that I would never normally do. But if I'm going to ask them to do it, I'm going to do it myself first. Yeah. So he started doing some work as well, and then we started both getting heavily back into to drawing, and then the the business came out of the fact that people said to us, "Oh, do you do, do you do commissions? Can you draw this? Can you draw that?" And we said, "Yes, we can, but we've got no kind of legal way of taking money off you." To, to do commissions because if we're going to do it we're not going to do it for free because it starts getting like you know you end up giving away your work for nothing so we wanted to do it all above board and like you know pay our taxes and all the rest of it so we thought why not set up a little business that allows us to legitimately you know take commissions and whether that be private commissions com- you know commercial commissions things like that and then we thought we'll give it three years and see how it goes if it if it's an unmitigated disaster we'll just fold it you know it's no big shakes to, to fold the business but we've just plugged away plugged away plugged away and don't get me wrong I'm not sitting there saying no it's an absolute massive success but it's better than we, we thought it ever could be to be honest because we've just kept plugging away we didn't have any kind of preconceived grand ideas it was going to be the next big thing and it was going to pay the mortgage because it far from pays the mortgage but it allows us to you know do work and go to conventions take money um, that goes into the business and it just allows us to do something that we just absolutely love you know so I don't know if you want to jump in there and say anything about that. no no I think you've, you've summed it up there I mean um, we did have a big period of about 15 to 20 years when neither was really drew anything um, I, th- I think it was at least 15 years that I didn't do anything at all and you know you kind of look back on that a little bit with the regret and think you know if we'd have kept doing it we we might have been well, to speak for myself, I might have been quite good by now, but um, you, you kind of just, you don't, you don't want to dwell on the fact that you didn't draw for so long. What you want to do is now just forge your head. And I think that's quite useful for us in a sense, because it's a difficult, you guys know, it's hard doing anything artistic. It really is hard. It's a really tough business. You know, there's a lot of really good artists out there. There's a lot of people who are, dare I say, pretty mediocre but have this amazing ability to sell their work as well, which, you know, we don't have that element around, you know, we're not pushy. We don't force it down people's throats. So we just do it because we love it. And, you know, and just talking about it on this podcast, and I'm really glad that you've asked us to come on because 
we just love talking about art with people who appreciate art. Mm, it's a bit of a passion, you know, yeah. Course, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's a bit like when you're talking about comics or films or whatever it might be with people. You know, if it's a shared interest, it's it's great. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically where we where we came from. We've always been drawers, really, and we're drawers now. You know, mm. but we do a bit of painting as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so the same. So where did the name art? Sorry, where did the sorry. name Artline Two come from? It's funny. Um, quite a few people have asked us this, and uh, I, I, when we first set it up, we um, I, it's one of these things. You know, when you set something up and you think, I've got, we've got to pick a name. And we spent a long, long time before we even set up the business. What the hell are we going to call ourselves? And we went through yeah. this whole rigmarole of, you know, different names, splicing names together yeah. and all the rest of it. And in the end, we thought, when, when, did, when did this whole idea of this kind of joint partnership of art um, come about? And it just so happened that we met in 1992. And that's where it comes from. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, fantastic. So we, are, that's, we are very long in the tooth in our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was fresh out of school. Um, at the time, you know, <laughs> but, uh, a bit of a Mrs. Robinson job. I'm afraid if anybody's listening to this, <laughs> were you Mrs. Robinson? How very dare you! I know I'm great, but bloody hell, it's, it's weird. But when you try and come up with a, a, a name for anything, I mean, you know, this from the podcast and anything else that you've ever done, but when you try and come up with a name that you know you're going to be using, oh, God, it's the right trauma, isn't it? And yeah. we spent weeks. I mean, luckily we were commuting to and from Manchester, so we had four hours a day sat in a car, going, "What do you think of this? No. What do you think of that? No." And then you've got to consider what's it going to look like when it's actually written down. Is it going to be missed? Yeah, it might sound great, yeah. but you know. So we just we just kicked it around, and then I think we thought of Art Nine Two quite early on, and then dismissed it. Going, "Oh, it's a bit, you know, it's not really exciting, is it?" And then we came back around to it, going, "Do you know what?" It doesn't sound really tossy. It doesn't sound pretentious. And, you know, we have a reason to be called Art 9 too. Because mm, um, that date's never going to change. So it's no. not like, you know. So, yeah, so that was it. So there's nothing mm. to do with Art Garfunkel. <laughs> 92 children. <laughs> Hang on. I've got to cross out the Allegedly. next few questions. <laughs> um, no, it's weird you say that. I messaged Andy today because um, I'm working on a comic and I'd come up with a title for it and it sounds great. But then when I put it just sort of on the cover to see what it looked like, it's just such a weird looking word. Yeah. I don't want to say what it is yet because I'm not an yeah. yet. But You've you got to think of that. I remember when I was um, when I used to be a counsellor and we'd have to do photographs and stuff. And I always had two rules. One rule is I'd stand to the left and the other rule was that I'd never stand in front of a sign that had country written on it. <laughs> Because and it, it sounds really, but you you can guess, but you know you get the wrong angle and that's it. You know it never. And that and, photograph never goes away. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to consider <laughs> how do things look. Um, and as many a politician has found there. Oh, indeed, oh yeah. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Peacocks was another one. <laughs> <laughs> as Cameron once found out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's i know what you mean about picking names obviously with the amount of various things i've done as well coming up with names and that sort of thing but but so what were your art inspirations the artists you admired the things that both got you into art in the first place and um made you sort of settle on the style of art you wanted to go into kind of thing if that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> um it's quite a mixed bag, actually, because obviously, because I, I always grew up loving comics, 
Um, so early inspirations from that side for me were people like, as, as we've discussed previously, Stuart, was Kurt Swan and, and Jim Aparo and, and Brian Bolland, people like that. You know, they made me, and Bolland particularly, made me want to draw. He, he really did make me want to be an artist. And at that point, because when, when you're a kid, you, you know, you make comics, you draw comics. We've all drawn comics, I think. But you don't ever think as you get a little bit older that you can actually make a comic, you know, you just, I always thought it was like some kind of thing that you, if you didn't live in America or London, you were never going to be able to do it. And obviously things have moved on slightly now. Um, But my interest in comics then led me into an interest generally in art. And I've always loved painting and art and stuff like that. So, you know, influences I've always had have been in a sense quite traditional, but it's people like, um, you know, Caravaggio and, and, uh, Diego Velasquez, people like that, and it's quite interesting because the more you read about these people, they were they were Rongans as well. You know, both those two in particular were, weren't. You know, they weren't you run of the mill kind of artists. I mean, just for example, Caravaggio. I mean, I've said this to you as well, Stuart. That you know, when you go to an exhibition, and if you've never done this and you listen, do this next whenever you can go to a gallery next. But if you're lucky enough to be able to stand about, you know, maybe two feet from the picture. Um, just stand really close to it uh, at the distance that the artist will have been painting it. Because it's an amazing feeling that to know that you've stood where that artist was potentially standing. And when you look up, particularly big canvases like Caravaggio's and stuff, the different view you get of the of the canvas from where you're stood is it, it brings a whole different level to appreciating the work, you know, not just the picture, but the work, the, the, the pet brush strokes, everything about it. It's incredible. But these huge canvases Caravaggio painted, the great thing is that at one point, because he'd, he'd obviously had a fight with another guy and killed him over an argument about a, a, a prostitute and the Medicis were after him, the Italian kind of family, and, and he was on the run. And a lot of these really famous big Caravaggio paintings that you see, he was painting them on the run. And he'd be like, middle of the night, he'd be packing all his shit up and legging it from village to village. <laughs> they were after it. And you're like, how is this even possible? You know, it's, you look at it, because it's not like you could nip to Cassar in, in the 18th century and buy yourself some yellow ochre. You know what I mean? You have to mix all your paint and stuff. And it, and it's just fascinating that, that these characters, when you look into them, yet they produce this beautiful artwork. And Velasquez was another one. You know, he, he, was, he was extremely kind of risque for the times and he would he would you know he, he would do things that were considered improper um particularly you know he had a penchant for for painting little people shall we say politely um you know and you <laughs> things like that and it wasn't seen as the norm you know and he he was just great but that then led me into other other artistic influences that that I've grown over the years which are people like you know Andrew Wyeth you know the the American uh, landscape and portrait painting. I mean, if anybody listening to this has never seen any of Andrew Wyeth's work, um, you, you should, because honestly, it will it will blow your mind. And again, we were lucky enough to go to an exhibition um, a few years ago in Washington. I think what you have to point out there is we orchestrated a whole well, we around yeah. going to that yeah. exhibition. <laughs> because unlike over here, where it's like, you know, 50 guineas to see one picture, it's like these these, these exhibitions at the Smithsonian, they're all free. And we, we went... We went twice, I think, yeah. didn't we, in the holiday to see it? But again, just that mastery of art, you know, it's just just so amazingly good. Um, and on a, on a slightly different side as well, I've always been influenced by things that were a bit more unusual, so I've loved a bit of surrealism. My favourite surrealist was, was René Magritte. And 
you know, he may not be the greatest technical painter, um, but visually and, and from an ideas perspective, the guy was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And the thing I loved about Magritte and something I've always tried to carry is that he got interviewed um, about his artwork. You know, it was the big thing to say, like, well, tell us, explain this painting. And he was kind of like, well, no. And they were, what, what's this painting telling us? And he was like, well, it, what do you think it's telling you? Because that's what it's telling you. And it, you have this belief that, you know, you don't need to explain your work all the time because just let people take from it what they want to take from it. And that's what pisses me off with some of these documentaries where they tell you how you should read a painting. And it's interesting sometimes about the iconography and stuff, but the emotional response is yours and yours yeah. alone. And it's different. We could all look at the same painting, the four of us, and we'd have a different response. And that's what I love about art. Same with comics, same with all that stuff. You look at it and you get a different response. And, and that's what I love about it. Um, so they're probably the main influence. And there's other, I could go on for hours. Chuck Close, another one, fantastic guy, famous in the 60s for doing these like massive, super realist paintings that he did. Um, and then he, the amazing story with Chuck Close is he had a, he had a stroke, I think, he had a yeah. massive stroke. And he, yeah. and he couldn't paint. And he taught himself to paint with a brush in his mouth until he got some partial. And he, and the work he did, right, this sounds ridiculous, but the work he did when he was paralyzed with a brush in his mouth and he broke his his process down. So instead of it being super realist, he, he would paint on these huge canvases in blocks of color. And again, if you look this up, Chuck Close, you'll see the story of it. And he'd, he'd do like a, you'd look at this, this probably two inch square and it'd have like a, you know, a yellow circle with a red dot in it. And then next to it would be like a green circle with a blue. And then, but as you step back from it, from maybe the other end of the gallery, they form almost the super realist portrait. It's absolutely gobsmacking. It's gobsmacking, that kind of stuff. Godfrey Helmwein, there's just so many. I'm going to let H carry on now, but, but I just love a broad, you know, appreciation of different artists. I don't particularly like a lot of the, you know, the, the go-to guys. I'm not a big fan of Van Gogh, people like that, you know, um, nothing right. It's fantastic stuff, but it just doesn't really appeal to me. But uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll let H talk now because I've waffled on quite a bit. I told you I'd get excited about it, didn't I? <laughs> well, you see, you've just taken away all of my influences. <laughs> I was reading the notes. <laughs> no, yeah. <But> no, <laughs> funnily enough, you'd expect having with us, you know, been together for so long, we're going to have some similarities with what we, we like and that. And again, I'm, you know, just to reiterate, I was, I'm the same. I, I love Caravaggio. I also love Rembrandt as well. And the thing that I love about Rembrandt is the the way he did his self portraits. He did he did regular self portraits throughout his life, and you can see him getting older and older and older. And you think that's quite sobering to to you know to watch yourself get older like that. So I, I love Rembrandt. And we we once happened upon quite by accident. I think it was in the Uffizi, wasn't it, in Rome? Mm. And we um we happened upon a Rembrandt exhibition. We didn't know it was on. It was like oh my god, we just we floated on air, didn't we? It was wonderful going around yeah. it. And then again, I like the old masters and stuff. And unlike Damien, I didn't grow up in um, like a comics household. There was no artistic kind of um, influences in my house at all. The only thing was my dad kind of taught me to draw by, we'd sit together and he'd draw a line and I'd copy him. He'd draw another line and I'd copy him. And then that's how he, he sort of taught me to draw. And then from that, that was the initial seed of kind of love of art. And I, and I went off and started doing more for, for my, myself, really. But we weren't, we didn't go to galleries. We didn't have any art books in the house. We're completely, like, you know, um, not a, an artistic household at all. But if we go from kind of the um, 
the old masters and stuff and then move a little bit forward. I was kind of, again, Andrew Wyeth, absolutely love Andrew Wyeth. But then when I go into the sort of more modern stuff, there's people like Graham Humphreys and um, Drew Struzan, which I kind of lump slightly in the same category with their beautiful kind of um, pencil work and gouache work and that kind of stuff. And right up to kind of now with people like John McRae and Ryan Brown and people like that, you know, it's um, it's funny because when Damien was talking about comics and things like that, Again, I knew we we had I had an awareness of comics when I lived at home, but that was more like Beano and Dandy. But I had no idea that comics could be so artistic and you could see so much amazing art in there. I didn't know this until I met Damien and he introduced me to Dave McKean. And I was blown away because I had this... Not physically introduced, not physically unfortunately. McKean, I wish I did. No. <laughs> he, he gave me Arkham Asylum and I looked at it and I thought, oh my God. And I'd never... T- I mean, I hadn't read like one of those kind of comics before. And I read it and then read it again. And then I reread it fairly recently because I spoke about it on um, Tony's Never Iron Anything uh, podcast. But I had to talk about it from the artistic side of it, not the comic side of it, because I'm not a comics reader by my own admission. Not that I find anything wrong with them at all. I just, I'm just not a comics reader. But those are kind of my influences. Um, but I kind of, I, I say that my influences and, and my loves, I, at no point am I saying that I'm trying to be like them in any capacity. I can just admire them for what they are. And like Damon's just pointed out, you stand in front of their work and something in your heart sings a little bit because you're right in, you're standing where they would have stood putting those paint strokes down under sometimes really difficult circumstances when they're on the run or they've, you know, they've got the, the, the plague is going on around them or, you know, when you think yeah. about what was going on around them when they're doing this art and you think, good God, you know, we're kind of obviously not in the same circumstances, but we're kind of there at the moment, aren't we, really, with this bloody massive plague? And it is kind of, to a degree, what we're swinging to to kind of separate ways. We're either being incredibly artistic and finding that art in us to try and help us do it, or unfortunately, some people are getting a bit of an artist block. You know, we've all been there. We just think, God, what's the point? And then you think, oh, come on, you know, have a word with yourself and try and get some art out of it. So it has, you know, you, you can hop back to those days when people were struggling through bloody typhoid and the plague and all, you know, all kinds of things. People died very young and they look at the amount of work that they produced. And some of them died when they were in the 30s. And you think, good God, look at the work they produced in that time, you know. And there's me going, oh, moaning about something, thinking, bloody hell, H, you know, get a grip and think about some of the stuff that they did. But, yeah, I've waffled on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys and Andy as well all sort of did art as higher education. I... I didn't. I very much grew up in a non-arty house. Mm. Um, sort of Andy was my driving force with carrying on with drawing. We used to, instead of learning Spanish, used to just sit drawing quietly in the background and uh, yeah. egging each other on to draw. And we still do that to this yeah. day. Um, half the challenges I end up doing are because Andy egged me on. Yeah. So. I think, but I think you need that because I yeah. think if you work in isolation. And I think that, you know, people have often asked us, and I'm sorry if you're going to ask this question because I've got to answer it now. People have often asked us how we work together. Is, is it a good thing? And it, it really is a good thing because we encourage each other and we can criticise, but not in a, God, that's shit. You know, we can be brutally honest with each other. Say, can you tell me what's wrong with There's something wrong with this. Can you tell me what it is? Fresh set of eyes can go, yeah, that's completely out of whack. You need to change that. And I think you need, you need, some kind of, you need somebody there to give you that encouragement and to, to say, come on, get your pencils out and get some drawing done. I think it's a really good thing. I think, you, mm. I think we all need that, you know, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on Skype, whether it's in person, if, if it's feasible to do. And we're very lucky in that respect that we are, you know, we are together and we can see each other and we can actually help each other physically and, as opposed to. And the, the thing with art as well is that the more you do, the better you get. 
I mean, I think we'll all agree that. Yeah. I mean, you did that last year, Stuart, where you drew every day. And the, yes. I've said this to you before, the, the progression of your work from the start of the year to the end of the year, and I'm sure Andy will agree, I thought it was fantastic. And it's it, you can see it now, you know, the, the, the sort of scribbles, as you call them, that you're doing now. Oh, they're lovely. They're, they're so good. Yeah. And that's because you, you it's that time and effort and, you know, like muscle memory and all the rest of it. But it's just anything, you know, you've got to really practice and work at it. And, you know, that's the good thing about us both being here is that you do get to the point where you think I'm packing this in. You know, you'll see, you know, something or other and you'll just think, like, well, you know, I don't know why I'm bothering either because it's really good and I'm never going to get to that level or it's really bad and yet everybody's fawning all over it. And and you, neither's right because you just mm. got to you've got to get your head down and just concentrate on your own work yeah. and do what you enjoy doing, you know. And if you don't enjoy doing it, don't do it. Same mm. for anything in life, isn't it? Yeah. But art is it's a great healer, you know. It's a great healer for people as well. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And I think more people would benefit from, you know, kind of like the H used to do art in the community classes and stuff, where you know she had people that have been recently widowed that would come along and and you know it's the first time they've been out of the house and then they'd make new friends and you know and it became the the Very much social the thing, trip yeah. out every other week and stuff and you know and it, it it is a great and it's helped me when i've been down and, and other people i know when they've been down a number of artists will tell you that you know they were they were basically depressed and and the only thing that dragged them out a little bit was you know the friends family and and painting and drawing because it completely absorbs you, doesn't it? You guys know that. Mm. You, you do it yourselves. Mm. It's very much a mindfulness exercise, isn't it, really? Because I don't know about you guys, but I know when I'm drawing, painting, whatever it is, even if it's if I'm becoming frustrated with it, I'm thinking about nothing else but what I'm doing. Nothing mm. else kind of, you know, infiltrates my mind at that time. I'm thinking about what I'm doing. And if it is a frustrating drawing I'm doing, I really have to focus on it. And it makes me think about nothing else but that, you know. Back in the, um, in the normal times before COVID, um, I just use I. It's like life drawing would do it for me. I used to go life drawing on a, on a Tuesday, mm. and that to me was my therapy because, yeah. as you yeah. said, you would sit down and all that matters was that piece of paper in front of you and the model. Yes, uh, for for two hours. Uh, it yeah. doesn't matter what was going on in your head during the day. No matter what's worrying you. No matter what problems you've got. For two hours, they're out of your head. You're you're not yeah. thinking about anything else. And yeah. I, I I used to come out of the lessons exhausted. Yeah, so kind of refreshed yeah i know what you mean yeah it is yeah. quite tight because just just before lockdown we went to a life drawing class didn't oh, we we, you know, we spent years trying to find a oh, bloody life drawing class that <laughs> we could go to because they were either in the day which like, well, that's helpful um or they were in places you couldn't get you know they, they were on the outskirts yeah. of manchester yeah. where it was just or it wasn't was a, practical on an evening when i was doing a night yeah. class and i was at, at and college we, we just found one and it was brilliant we, we went to one and then lockdown Hit. and that was it and yeah. that was it and it's like and i know people are doing it online and stuff now but it, it's kind of not it's quite the same. same no because not at all. Yeah. exactly and i don't think you know um i mean one of the things that i often say like with art college and i don't know like yourself andy about how your experience was but we didn't have the greatest experience and it was just a thing no. that, that potentially we, i didn't feel like i learned anything you know we did a color wheel but we never taught how to use it so what yeah. was the point of that um you know we didn't we weren't taught really techniques or anything other than a bit of you know pencil work on the first week or whatever but the one thing i did learn was life drawing and i learned life drawing by you know just by 
doing it and you know reading up because obviously the internet wasn't quite as prevalent as it is now but you know you'd go to the library and you'd get books you know loomis books and stuff like that and you're trying to learn the method and the measuring stuff yeah god i love life drawing and it's one of those things that that you know if you've never done it it seems really weird and awkward and you think i don't think i could do that you know Mm. i don't think i could sit there and draw something with nothing on but when you're doing it like you say you become so focused on mm-hmm. it yeah. you don't see it as a as a nudie person you know you, no. you don't you, no. you just see it as form and negative get, space and oh mm-hmm. god it's absolutely it's, and it's like a, for, for instance when my wife would tell people oh yeah he's going to live drawing tonight they would be like what you're letting him go and look at naked people but it's trying to explain that it really is the least sexiest thing you could do totally. yeah 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 do you know and i think what it, I mean? If you've got a good model as well, I think that really makes it. And you've got a model that kind of, because the model we had, she really knew what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was yeah. quick at the poses. And then when she asked her to do like um, longer poses, she was spectacular. Yeah. She was lovely as well to chat yeah. with, wasn't she? It did end on a sour note, though, because I got thrown out for trying to do a rubbing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, ap- I apologize. <laughs> it's an old one. It's an oldie but goodie. It's an oldie but goodie. Absolutely. <laughs> No, I sort of had that when I went with Andy because, like you guys, I went to one life drawing before lockdown. Thought yeah. I really enjoyed that. I'll go to the next one when it falls on my next week off, and then mm. lockdown. That's no but... coincidence, Stu. No, I know this is a whole <laughs> big thing to stop me going back. So I had that weird thing. <laughs> it's like, ruse. <laughs> I sat there, and then the model was naked. And I was like, "Shit, she's naked! Don't look." Like, you're supposed to look at it. Yeah. If you're getting a bit coy, don't you think? Oh, I can't, I can't look at it. Yeah. But, and then you either put your headphones on, or you just get so yeah like drawn into it that you kind of forget you're actually drawing somebody who's naked yeah, mm. yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, a really, bizarre thing it's a great way to improve drawing full stop it really does make you focus and you, you know learning the measuring and you mm. know um using getting proportions right and stuff yeah. and yeah it's difficult and you think good god you know that's not that completely wrong but that's the whole point of it it's practice yeah. it's practice until you feel comfortable drawing yeah, the if, it's, if you don't find it difficult there's no point doing it mm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's about pushing yeah. yourself out your comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It really is, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was the reason I went, because I not, I don't do much life drawing slash realistic drawing, for want of a better term. Mm, mm. Um, I'm very cartoony, but I just thought I was doing the challenge, the daily drawing challenge. I yes, thought it'd be yeah. something to get me out of it. But yeah. sort of on that, do you guys keep sketchbooks, or do you... And if you do, what do you use them for? Do you use them as a, like for warm-ups or do you fill them with, you know, the finished article kind of thing? Or It's funny. I absolutely love sketchbooks and I have a ridiculous amount of sketchbooks. And it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, um, uh, like a, an addiction with me. And um, whenever, because obviously when it's different now because we don't get out, but um, whenever, when we were allowed out, Anytime I went anywhere near an art shop, I'd come away with some kind of sketchbook. And I used to order off uh, Pink Pigs as well, based in Yorkshire. They were beautiful sketchbooks, ring-bound sketchbooks. So I have a lot of them, and, and I can't help myself. I end up buying a new one, going, oh, I'll use it for something, I'll use it for something. And then over the years, I've built up this collection of sketchbooks. And then since we started the business and since I've been doing these commissions, um, I've started using them, and they're getting a lot of use now. So I tend to, I've got a, a mixture of sketchbooks on the go. I've got, I haven't got one on the go. I've got a few on the go at any one time and they, they serve different purposes for me. So I've got one that's watercolour paper. So that's where I've done my watercolour journey because I've not done watercolours for so long and I wanted to get back into them. 
So I started with this watercolour sketchbook and you can see my progression through the pages where I started off and they were pretty bloody ropey. And I just carried on and carried on and carried on. Not that I'm saying I'm any, any you know, expert when I've come to the end of it, but I've gotten better. I can see myself improving with my, with my techniques. And then I've got a, a sketchbook that's um, Strathmore paper, which is beautiful t- uh, um, toned tan, tan or grey paper. And I've got one of them that I do kind of what I would consider fairly um, tight finished pieces in, mainly portraiture. Uh, using coloured pencils and doing like monochrome stuff and that, like that. And then I've got um, a sketchbook that I use for doing roughs, absolute roughs in. And that's kind of roughs for um, my commissions. So if I'm doing, um, I'm going to say commission, I'm talking about like my pet portraiture. I'll always do a rough because I like to get a feel for the for the animal and a feel for the shapes and the lines and, and the kind of structure of the animal before I even begin work on a final piece. But sometimes as well, when I'm doing commissions, of late I've done a few and I've just had one come in now where I'm having to put dogs that are no longer around from different eras together in one piece. So I do a rough, send it off to the client and say, can you tell me if those proportions are correct? Because I don't know. You know, if, if whether the dog was big with small and, you know, what have you. So I do a lot of roughing. So I've got a sketchbook purely for roughing. And then I've got like a sketchbook where I just do doodling, you know, when you get ideas and things like that. Yeah. And weirdly as well, when I did, um, when we did pre-mortis, I actually drew and wrote that in one book. And it was just a, a lined book. Um, it was like a, a soft cover moleskin book. And it doesn't matter to me that it had lines in it. I just drew over the lines. So I thumbnailed and wrote the story in that. So I'll pretty much write and draw in anything, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I have a number of sketchbooks on the go at any one time. And at one time, when we were out and about, and I used to go to the office, I'd carry a sketchbook with me. And then on lunchtimes, things like that, I'd go out and, and on, in the summer, obviously, go out and I'd sit and I'd sketch people around me just to try and make myself get quicker and just do things like that. Um, and that was a way to just keep keep going. Because And then you have these great ideas. Go, well, I'll always carry a sketchbook with me. I'll always do work. And it doesn't always work. And I'll go in my bag and go, oh, yeah, I forgot. I've got the sketchbook with me. <laughs> Gathering fluff from the bottom of my bag, you know. So then I get back on it again. And it is a really nice way to, especially if I was having a really difficult day, go out on my lunch, take, take my lunch mm-hmm. outside with me with the sun was shining, sit and draw. And it was just a really nice way to, to relax and just get working, really. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> your, sorry, your Strathmore uh, tone pads. Yeah. Does one have a little girl on the front and one has an American Indian on the front? Yes. Any chance? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's exactly the same ones. Yeah, they're, I, think, I think they're really lovely. I actually, but weirdly, I'd never seen them until we went to Canada um, a couple of okay. years ago. We went to a Michael store, which I fell instantly in love with because you get bloody anything in there. You've got art supplies, a lot. And I saw these Strathmore books and I thought, oh, I like them. I thought, Do you know what? I'll pick a few up because they were fairly cheap. Absolutely fell in love with them. Loved the paper. And I do all my commissions on them as well. Um, mm. So I ended up getting a bigger size, which there are American sizes. We ended up getting like a just slightly bigger than A4. 11 and by 14 and A3. Or and by just, 12, yeah. Just mm. love them. I absolutely love them. So I use them for because they've got the perforations. So I, I pull them out. But I, I've also, I also keep one together um, as an actual active sketchbook. But the other ones are all ripped to pieces and they've got like a couple <laughs> of sheets here and there and stuff. But yeah, those are the ones that I just, I just love them. Yeah, really? I found out about them from Dylan Teague actually because that's the one thing he uses. It is, palette. that's right. When I yeah. picked up his sketchbook and looked through, yeah. 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 Well, let's not mention Dylan Teague in his sketchbooks because it'll just depress <laughs> me. Share, yeah. That's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what What about you, Dee? Do you keep sketchbooks? or? I, I don't. I love the idea of a sketchbook. And like I say, you look at people like Dylan's work and stuff and you think, oh, I'd love a, I'd love a sketchbook like that. Um, but. I try. I've got lots of sketchbooks and they've all got a couple of pages with sketches in and things like that. But my problem is I, I kind of 
I hate everything in the sketchbook and I end up ripping the pages out, which is stupid because at the end of the day, it's a personal thing. Nobody sees it. You know, it's not yeah. a public display. And I find it very stressful having a sketchbook. I don't, it's a weird thing. I find it really stressful. But one thing I have found since I've got into making comics and stuff is that I use them now for primarily for thumbnailing and for writing stories and character ideas and things like that. So it's become a kind of um, part of my comic creating process is that I don't kind of thumbnail um on the on the kind of uh, either on the di- digitally or whatever to start with, I'll thumbnail in a, in a little sketchbook, you know, and I'll start working out ideas. And I'm quite comfortable with that. And that came from I was reading a book about artists and how they work, and um, it was like full of it was it was I got it from Forbidden Planet for like two quid in the sale, I think, a couple of years ago. And it's got people like Steve Dillon and you know, um, oh God, I'm trying to think of some of the names now, Brian Bolland, all these other people that are in there talking about their process. And struck me was Steve Dillon was saying, oh, I, I, I don't really do any thumbnailing. I just draw. And I'm thinking, yeah, I bet you do, because he was, you know, sickeningly good, wasn't he? Yeah. But a lot of the others had these little tiny kind of little thumbnail sketching. I was thinking, that that appeals to me. And if anybody looked at them, they'd think, like, what, what's this shit? You know, but to me, these little scratchy drawings with little stick men and women and they're all I need to then go on to the, the, the sort of Cintiq or whatever and start actually laying out my pages properly. It allows me to work through that method. So I'm using them for that now. So I'm kind of getting back into sketchbooking, but in a non kind of traditional way, it's more of a tool. And again, that's, that's my personality. I think is that I can't noodle. I'm, I'm shit at noodling and stuff. I've got to have a purpose. It's like when, when before we had Marty and he said, should we go for a walk? And I'd be like, where are we going? I said, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I can't just go for a walk. I mean, what's that? You know, you don't just walk. And and now, you know, we've got a reason to go for a walk, but I have to have, I have to have a destination. And because I'm using a sketchbook to, to get my ideas and my page designs down and stuff, or my story points down, that's the destination. So I'm finding some use for them. So, yeah, but I'd love to be able to have a beautiful sketchbook. You know, you see some, we, we went to, um, Frank quietly had a, an exhibition up in Scotland a few years ago, and they had some of his sketchbooks in um, in these glass cases. And oh my god, They're exquisite, weren't they? You know, mm. I, it's worth doing time to break them and try and nip them. <laughs> they were just so beautiful, and I thought, I wish I could have the discipline to do that. But then, of course, that's not the point. The point no, is, it's not a discipline. Yeah, you know, mm. and I, I, I kind of yeah. I'm just not good enough to keep a sketchbook that I'd be really pleased to look at in that sense. So I don't. I just use it as a tool. Yeah, there is a weird pressure to sketchbooks. I've been similar in that I've started a sketchbook and I've done one thing the shit in it and that sketchbook's then sat there with like three pages drawn on it and I've fucked up on the third one. <laughs> I've never used the sketchbook again. Yeah. And it's sort of getting out past that mentality. But I've said before on other things, that I think part of it is that when a big artist puts out their sketchbook, they've obviously created it. So there isn't the, oh, yeah, I got the eyes wrong on that one kind of bit. Mm. So there's that immense pressure that you think a sketchbook should be like a finished work of art kind yes. of thing. Yeah. And getting beyond that, it's like um, my youngest son for my birthday bought me just a cheap hippo sketchbook. And right. that's what I've been using to just noodle in while I'm mm. doing yeah. I'd use that before I get stuck into the main thing I want to be doing. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, oh, I 
I'm happy with how those noodles have come out, so I'm happy to go on with the day. And sometimes then when I try and do the thing I actually want to do, I'm shit at it and I've sort of got to walk away. <laughs> but And sometimes it's like, yeah, no, that's gone to shit, but I better have a try at getting something out because I've given mm. myself a you know, personal deadline kind of thing. Mm. And it goes the other way, but there is a weird pressure to sketchbooks. But sort of on that then, um, how do you deal with like frustrations with drawing? Because we all get it where you just either it's not the hand isn't doing what the brain sees or you're just not feeling it that day and um, sort of or you're just making mistake after mistake after mistake how do you sort of deal with your frustrations and either work through them or what do you do to get to the point where you can go back to working through them i i'll answer this one because i probably get more frustrations than h to be honest because oh. h seems to have adapted to this ability to just produce work you know what i mean that's the perception that you have it's not you know no it's not because i'm sat six feet away from you watching your bloody do it and it makes me sick <laughs> but i i do i do have those days we all have those days and i'm not i'm not don't being funny right i'm not the greatest artist in the world by no means am i saying i'm actually even any good what i do is i love what i do and i try my best and i give it everything i've got but there are days when i can't draw for shit you know i'll go up in the studio and I can spend a couple of hours and I'll do the sum of nothing. And what I've learned is that you can't force it. You know, it's like people say, oh, if you get um, if you get a block, you've got to work your way through. I can't do that. I can't do it. I make it worse because then I get frustrated with the fact that it isn't working. And I need to I need to go away and think about it. And I've had this with paintings, I've had it with compositions, I've had it with panels for, for comics, where I've 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 done it and I've thought I'm not happy with there's something not right. There's something not right. And and I'll try and work it through. And it doesn't work. And then I'll leave it and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just knock off and say, right, forget it. You know, one of those days and I'll be mulling it over as I'm sat there and I'm, I'm reading or watching TV or whatever, or lying in bed, usually lying awake at night. And, and then the next day you'll go in and nine times out of 10, you'll nail it. And I don't know whether it's because you've given your mind a chance to just reset and rethink and work it through and subconsciously you've come up with an answer. I don't know. Or whether you're looking at it with fresh eyes, because there's that thing as well where you can look at something too much and you don't see the problem and then you'll walk away and come back and go, but bloody hell, it's that, isn't it? So mm. I've learned, and it's not easy, but sometimes, you know, you've just got to put your pen down or your brushes down or whatever it is and just, just walk away and do something different and come back to it. And that's mm. basically how I work through it. There's some things you can't work through. There's some things that will never work. You know, you, you, you can't flog a dead horse. And if you've got an idea for something and it isn't coming together, you know, it can either be um, just fundamentally a problem with the composition. It can be it can be a, a limit on your skill set. You know, I mean, there's lots of things I'd like to do, but I know damn well I'm not, I'm not capable of doing them. So I don't try them, you know, but you've got to be able to kind of really break down what's going wrong and then make a decision based on that. But don't try and do it when you're frustrated. Because you'll never get the right answer that way. Mm. I think what we were talking about earlier about art having the power to totally relax you and totally calm you down and just focus on it. It also has the power to do completely opposite as well. When you're having a bad drawing day, as you were saying, it can destroy you. Oh yeah. You know, and you can finish it, and your confidence is down. I I've got that horrible thing where my mentality is I'm only as good as the last thing I drew. Yeah. Which is a, a very unhealthy thing, the mentality to have. But you do, and you go, you know, I mean, I do a lot of my drawing late at night. Then I'll go to bed, and then it's on your mind. 
and you'll be tossing and turning for about for about an hour thinking mm. how can i get that better am i really you know i'm not happy with it is mm. that the best i can do and it can it can really get you down as well yeah 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 no and it's um it's i think when you get like that you start that's when the the um the kind of rot sets in when you start thinking why am I doing this? Am I good yeah. enough? What's the point? You know, and like like Damien said, I, I'm I'm similar insofar as if it's going really horribly, I'll just walk away completely and do mm. something else, or I'll put whatever it is that I'm doing down and do something different, do something artistic, but do something different. So if I'm working on a say a commission for somebody and it's just I'm just not getting it, I'm thinking I'm going to ruin this, and I've already laid down the foundations of it. I put it to one side and I'll just do something for me, something, you know, a little, little sort of doodle, whatever it may be, or I'll just draw, I'll draw the dog because now that we've got a dog, he's my new muse. So I'll draw him <laughs> and then I'll go back maybe either later that, that day or that night or I'll go back tomorrow and come back. And like you were saying, you come back with fresh eyes and go, ah, that's, that's what the problem was. Yeah. Or I was just having it. We all have bad days. Don't we just not, you're not in the mood for yeah, it. Yeah, And you some know? days you're just tired, mm. you know, you, cause you, you're working all day. Well, most of us working all day and listening to this, a lot of comic artists will, will know the same thing where, you know, you've got things that you're doing all day. You can't, you haven't got the luxury of just drawing all day. Christ, I wish we did. You know, that'd be, <laughs> you know, I've, all, I've often said if I could just make enough to cover my bills doing art, then I wouldn't hesitate. You know, I wouldn't, I'm not, Luckily, I'm not motivated by money, so that's in one sense it's a good thing. In another sense, it's probably not a good thing. So, <laughs> no, yeah, not if you're an artist, that, you know, <laughs> if you can tip that balance at some point and have a happy life creating, but you've you've got to be able to um, enjoy what you're doing. And if you're really, really stuck in a, a rut and you're tired, sometimes it's just that you're tired. Mm. You know, and you try and force yourself, especially when you've got deadlines. You know, you'll really push well, you yourself. You start panicking then, and then, then yeah. you start making mistakes. But yeah. the strange thing is, when I've got tight deadlines, uh, and I've always been like this with work and with art, actually, is that I tend to find that I get a rush from it. I get a bit of an adrenaline kick, and I'll start. I don't see it as as a problem. I see it as actually quite a bit of a good challenge. And and I don't know. I've done some of my best work when I've been, mm. you know, up against it, as it were. Um, mm. I wouldn't recommend it all the time, but but every now and then it's quite nice to have a you know have a hard date that you've got to hit, and it makes you it makes you kind of it I makes think, you not not mess around and go. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll just scroll through social media for a bit. It's like no, I've got time. Yeah, and it, I think it makes you think about what you're going to do a bit more before you do it, rather than sometimes you'll start just noodling and then you'll think, oh shit, that's not working. I'll try something. Oh, that's not working, and then you get frustrated. I think you do all that before you even hit the ground running. So yeah, mm. yeah, you just I mean everyone's got a different technique haven't they? some people power through i know john wagner says about writing you know he says he always gets asked what do you do with writer's block and he said just write write a shopping list write anything you want because at some point you'll come up with something you'll go actually that's interesting and that'll spiral off but that's that's not the way i can work you know i've got to walk away mm. yeah I, I mean my problem is that i just get into a blind rage and i'll completely destroy a piece <laughs> <laughs> two of the things in the drawer in a day you can see where i've completely lost it with it and just put really deep scratch marks through it where i've just got so frustrated with myself and it is it's personal frustration with myself rather than yeah the yeah. art itself kind of thing but yeah, yeah. but yeah it's it's yeah it's just like andy says it's a wonderfully relaxing thing sometimes and other times it just it can be the yeah. most demoralizing can turn me into a right in world. Can it? Mm. it can reduce you to thinking that you're shit at everything if, yeah. just because you can't draw mm. a bloody hand, mm. you know, or whatever it might be, or you can't get the foreshortening right on a leg. You oh, know, God. and it can, yeah. you know, and you can be looking and going, what the, 
Yeah. But, you know, what, what's going on here? And then you start thinking, actually, can I draw? Yeah, am I am any I, good? Yeah. And it's weird mm. the way that you will you will go to such an extreme You'll spiral. point You'll spiral, of yeah. convincing yourself that you are actually quite shit. And, yeah. You know, and, and, and it's nonsense because, you know, there's lots of people that I see that, that go on social media and things like that, and I'll talk to them, they'll go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm shit and you're like you're really not <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like you genuinely aren't and if I could be that shit I'd be quite happy <laughs> but it's it's amazing what it can do to you and you're mm. right Andy it can it's like it takes you from the highest high to the lowest mm. low sometimes and yeah. the trick is you've got to get that medium bit haven't you where you're chugging along you know not too you know drinking your own Kool-Aid as the Americans would say <laughs> there's a bit of that going on lately yeah, but absolutely you know you've got to be realistic about what you're doing and how what your limitations are but you've you've also got to have a bit more confidence that you know if it doesn't go right you know what yeah it'll go right the next time or whatever it, it also doesn't help as well when you're looking at ever artists work if you're struggling yourself you look at ever artists work and all you see is the finished product yeah yes. you're, you look at it thinking blimey you know that's perfect what you don't know is how many, how many times they've rubbed things out, how many yeah. times they've got proportions wrong, or do you know? Yeah. And I think you've got to remember that as well. You're still, you've got to get that in the back of your head that, you know, this piece of work could be a week's work, a week's worth of just yes. constantly redoing and redoing and redoing, you know? And the, the problem as well these days, like you say, is that, you know, there's so much stuff on social media that is manufactured to mm. look like you know i've just done a rough sketch of this and you're like you've really not have you because yeah. you, know, you, you can tell this by inktober this is one of the things with inktober that makes me laugh and you know not wishing to upset anyone andy because i know you may have been uh you know i, I think Stuart's had a bit of a about <laughs> inktober in the past but you see these things with inktober and i don't do it because they had i mean i kind of fell out with it when it all went a bit sour but secondly i found it just too pressured you know, because I was trying to do it every day. And in the end, you're thinking, Christ, I can't do this. And it was upsetting me a bit, you know. <laughs> and now you see people, some people come on with these beautiful A3 full ink. And you think, bloody hell. But you've not done that today. Because <laughs> you can't have done, you know, it must be a week's work, some of them. Yeah. But you've got to remember that, though. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you've just got to remember that, you know, if you fall into the trap of thinking, well, if they can do that in a day and I can't even draw, like, you know, this then I am shit. And it's not, you just get smoke and mirrors a lot of it, isn't mm. it? It's like everything, mm. sketch pads and all that, you know, you see people going, oh, I've done this rough sketch. And you're like, well, you've obviously just like light boxed it or traced it because you can tell, you know, it's quite yeah. obvious sometimes. You know, it's not a rough yeah. sketch. It's a, mm. nothing wrong with people light box or whatever. I'm no issue with that. You know, a lot of artists do it, but be a bit more honest about your process because that helps other people then. It takes the stigma away from thinking, oh, you know, I'm using reference. That thing about using reference and people get all like arsy about that, about, oh, do you use reference? Like, well, yeah, because if I didn't, it looks shit. It's fine. <laughs> you know, just because you using reference isn't the same as, as copying or whatever. It's you using no. it to get yeah. weight and feeling. And, and, you know, I've just drawn a, an alleyway. There's no way I could have drawn a New York alleyway without reference. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You know, it would have been two walls and a bit of floor, and it would have well, that just looks like to, like a garage. You know what I mean? So, you, and it, but there's nothing wrong with mixing your reference and stuff. Absolutely. But people pretend it's all out the head, and you're like bollocks. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, I've got a book, <laughs> and I'm hitting it like fifty times a day. But you know, it's just the way it is, isn't it? You just got to kind of absolutely that. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah I think 
there's a weird pressure that comes with social media as well, just from, like you say, seeing what people are putting up as a, oh, I just bashed this out while I was waiting for 10 minutes in the doctors or whatever. Yeah. But there's also the, you see things, it's like, how did that get so many likes? And it's not so much yeah. about the piece, it's it was posted at the right time, it had the right hashtag on it, or it was of a well-known character, so it brought that in. But you kind of look at but the amount of artists that are like, I did that, I spent hours on it, and it got like 30 likes. I did this one that was just me doodling while I was on the toilet. It was yeah. like 200 odd likes. I know. It's like, well, it's, it's, we average about three, I think. Three <laughs> yeah, likes. Three, and I think you're one of them, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but honestly, the, the whole likes thing, I mean, it, yeah. H, H and the pet portrait, if you have a double around the pet portrait world, because there's some absolute beautiful examples of pet oh, portraiture. God, yeah. People and there's like, some really look up absolute to. gash as well. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that've got like three thousand likes, and you're like, "Why? What are you There's looking? No... It looks like you know you've got a Labrador. Looks like it's looking in the back of a spoon." And people <laughs> are like, "You know, you're kind of thinking, what is it mm. about that yeah. that that appeals to people? It's really strange, and you can't again. You can't think about it too much no, because you'd you tell can't. Something not you thinking can't because yeah. you'd never draw again, or you'd never put anything online again. Mm. You know, I mean, if I get one like, I'm happy. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, somebody's liked it. It's like comics, isn't it? You make a comic. And, you know, there's the thing at the moment about, you know, who can sell the most comics and all that bullshit. And it's like, if we sell a comic at a con... Oh, we get oh, Jesus. Yeah. I'm like, where's, where's the champagne? Because it's like, that means one person wants to buy my work yeah. or H's work or yeah. whatever. And, you know, I, I don't know. It depends what motivates people, I think. But you've got to be wary of all these things as an artist. You've really got to be... And anybody listening to this that, that's getting into art or starting off or whatever, um, you've really got to be on your guard against all this smoke and mirrors that goes on and don't get dragged into it. Don't get don't get pulled into this who can get the most likes or the most retweets and all this other shit that doesn't mean a damn thing, does it? You know, um, you've just got to just do the work, put the work out. And if people don't, don't like do it, it for the likes, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, you know, and if you get praise, take it, mm. you know, which mm. is something we're not very good at either. No. Um, but yeah, mm. if people like it, brilliant job done in it, you know. And if you like it and you're proud enough to put it out, brilliant, yeah, you know. That's it. I think if you look at something and say, I'm happy with what I did there, that is all the reward you need, like you totally. say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us are in the art for the money, so God, certainly no. on this pod, <laughs> I, I know there are some people who are in it for the money and. I see him post things up and I'm like, really? You're asking for 50 quid for that? All right. Oh, price but, you know, emissions. invariably it sells. But... <laughs> i tell you what, mate. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've had a bit of a rant at this lately, but, you know, the price of commissions that some some people within our circle are charging, you know, mm. and I'm talking about the non-professional, the, the indie or, you know, amateur circle, as it were, really, I suppose, in, in old terms. But some of the prices, some are asking you, like, you, have you had a bang on the head? <laughs> You know, I can get I can get a bloody Dylan T. John McRae for less yeah. than that. Why would I buy something that's average for the price? That, and I don't know what it is. I don't know why all of a sudden, I don't know whether it's lockdown fever or something, but some of the prices of commissions I'm seeing are just, like, they're See, outrageous. I, I have to confess, yeah. I've put my prices up for my commissions, but I'm still infinitely cheaper than a lot of people. Yeah, you're still about <laughs> a third the average. I am. <laughs> you know, I'll do an A4 yeah. for the commission. And and I'll charge like forty to fifty quid for it. 
like mm. you know I, I put one up earlier i mean about the, the ultimate warrior thing that and that that's the average i charge for it because that's what i think it's worth you know and if i break it down to an hourly rate i'm not i'm not even doing minimum wage but it's not the point the point is if somebody wants to pay for it and they want my art i'm happy with that you know i'm like yeah that's reasonable you know stick poster john happy days <laughs> yeah. h is more expensive mm. because actually it's it's don't, don't say it's wrong way, but it's it's actually more bespoke work as well. You know, it's it's people that are commissioner to do a unique piece, whereas that, yeah. a lot of stuff I do, I've done because I fancy doing it, or it's stuff I enjoy doing. Whereas H is doing it as, as work, and it's quite right. But even then, you look at the cost of pet commissions and stuff like that, and they're astronomical. Jesus, we have a get, we play a game of guess how much they're charging for that, and <laughs> yeah, you, you're talking hundreds and and sometimes thousands, and you're like, they're not fucking drugs. People pay it. Mm. People pay it. I, I came across because uh, I do quite a lot of dog commissions as well, and um, I've I've came across a couple of months ago a artist who does pet commissions, but charges by the hour. Oof! Now I found that really strange. That uh, is a bit he, odd. It's it's not like you're you're um like converting a loft, is it? You know when no, you're doing exactly it, that. It, it's for me I, I don't know because sometimes I, I don't know about you Andy but certainly if I'm doing a commission sometimes a, a, a pet portrait will just come together like that absolutely be like yeah. oh wow you know and, and if I don't yeah. do anything else if I don't kind of faff around on social media or whatever mm-hmm. I can get one done in, in a matter of hours if it's if it just all flows nicely if I'm having yeah. a bit of a mare with one or it's quite a big absolutely. one it's a three one it can take a little bit longer but I, I just charge per Whatever is, however many animals are in it, and the size. Ab- I've never dreamed absolutely. of doing it per hour, you know. But it's like, but the thing is, it's like, surely the, the amount of time it takes, that's your problem, not the, yeah. not the clients. Ab- absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right. Because at the end of the day, if you, if you commissioned an artist to do that and say, I charge by the hour, they could go, Oh, it took me all day. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. But it's, it's just like, it's equivalent about... to a taxi driver going the long way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I charge by the mile, like, I'm going to go I... via Heathrow. Yeah. I charge by the hour. I only do hairy dogs. Yeah, and I'll I'll be in my summer residence this year. Yeah. I bet you will. <laughs> but it, it's weird because you you know you, you look at some of the work people do and you you look at the cost of it and you're thinking, bloody hell, you know that's ambitious. But people mm. buy it, which is fair enough. <laughs> people are going to buy it. Good luck to them. But I can't charge that. I can't charge like you know over hundred quid for a black and white mm. drawing or an ink drawing you know a3 or a4 i just can't do it because no i'm not comfortable doing it you know it's like well, no if i'll charge what i think is reasonable i'm gonna do it for free but you know if i'm paying that kind of money I, I want a name you know i want somebody that actually not for an investment thing but somebody that i can put in my portfolio and go yeah you know there's a john mccray or a dylan teague sketch and uh, you know an ian richards and things like that and they're all beautiful pieces of art by accomplished artists. And that's what you're paying for. You're paying for all those years of, of, you know, professionalism that they bring into that commission. And if I try to charge prices like that, I just feel like a fraud to be honest, mm-hmm. but people pay it. And I don't get, I'll be honest. I mean, H does loads of commissions because people love their animals and, you know, that finite life with them. I'm sure, you know, Andy, you know, people will rather have a portrait of an animal than a kid sometimes because, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, for me, it's kind of like um, it's a bit different, you know, and I, I kind of feel that it it's a bit more um, what can I say? Not disposable, but you know, it's a bit bit different to that. It's it's a bit more like uh, people are asking me to draw other characters which aren't mine, 
So mm. therefore, for a start, I'm not going to try and make a load of coin on it because they're not my characters. You know, yes, yeah. I'll, I'll draw them and charge for them, but I'm not going to try and rip people off, which is unfortunately sometimes what I feel people are doing these days. And it's yeah. bad for all of us, but I get less commissions, even though I'm cheaper. <laughs> you know, now that could be because I'm shitter, or it could be that people do this thing of if it's cheap, it must be crap. Exactly, you bet. You get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. weird, isn't it? You it know, really is so strange. Yeah. People said, "How much is it?" And you'll say, "This much." And they go like, "Why is it so cheap?" And you're like, "Well, that's just the price of it." Yeah. You know, and then and we, then it can go the other way as well, where. I've had a few people um, like inquire about um, a, a, a pet portrait, and I, I say my price, and then you don't hear from them again. And you're thinking, "Christ, is that too much? Am I, you know, am I blowing my own trumpet here? Should I be charging a bit less?" Yeah, yeah, I've had loads of that. Yeah, it's hard. Um, it's quite yeah. I'm you, know, you do pricing. start questioning then, don't you? Because yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I certainly, I, you know, I sometimes have a little troll of Instagram and stuff and I'll, I'll have mm. a little look and think, oh, because I thought come 2021, I might up my prices a little bit. So I had a look around and, and had a look at some other people's work. And to be fair, there's some superb, like what is kind of hashtagged as realist kind of pet portraits. I don't, I don't hashtag myself as realist. I don't consider myself a realist um, pet portraiture. I consider myself a believable pet portrait artist, but mm. not a realist. When I looked at them, I thought, Good God, they were really expensive. And I thought, well, I don't feel so bad now about putting my price up a little bit because at no point am I ever calling myself a realist artist. But you just think when you do do a quote and people don't come back to you, think, oh, Christ, but good luck getting it cheaper anywhere else. Yeah. Then. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the quality of them as well. I'm not just saying that, but, you know, because they are, if you've seen H's portraits, then you, you know mm, the quality. Yeah. They're, not, they're not, you know, sort of like substandard in any way. And you pay a lot more in other places, but... I mean, she talks about putting a price. She's talking about 10 quid, 20 quid. That's I all did, she's putting put them up by. Yeah. And even then, you know, you look and they're still, as I say, they're about a third the price that a lot of people charge. But yeah. that's us. You know, maybe that, and maybe that's to our detriment. Maybe we should be a bit more bold and, and like, you know, maybe you should be the same, Andy. Maybe we should all hike our prices up to maybe we should start know, a couple hundred union. quid. <laughs> and, you know, because I suppose you do yeah. one of them and it's equivalent of maybe four or five that we charge for now. But yeah, absolutely. I don't want to work like that. And I no. think there's pressure with that as well. I think there's added pressure that yeah. if you're charging people a lot of money, you know. And it's got to be good. It's got to be good. <laughs> yes. And I think yeah. we're expecting something that looks like a photograph. Yeah. Whereas, yes. as I say, I've, I've never I've never at any point called myself a realist because I'm, I'm, more, I'm of the opinion that if you want something that looks like a photograph, take a photograph. Mm. Because, yeah. and I like, don't get me wrong, you know, I hold my, I hand up, well, sorry, I take my hat off to people who do realist because I think it's absolutely spectacular. But I like to see something that's painterly. I like to see the brush marks or the pencil marks and, and that kind of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's a minefield, really. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm the a few times I've done paid gigs, which I can count on one hand, and one of those was me, and I didn't pay myself. <laughs> Turns out I'm one of those guys. <laughs> But yeah, I've messaged. Did you do it for the exposure, Stu? I did. That's what I told <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's another thing, right? So while we're on the subject, sorry, we've gone off thinking about that. Think about you know we, everyone having a downer on doing things for exposure. And sometimes you know, it's not a bad thing to do things that will appear in something that yeah. will give you an audience reach. And there's a difference between being exploited. I think you know being asked to do a a 32 page book and a cover for nothing. To saying, well, you know, I've got a five, six page strip that will appear in this this anthology or whatever that, 
you know, has got a good fan base and actually we know that commissioning editors look at and stuff like that. And there's there's a difference. And I think, again, if anybody's listening to this and, and isn't sure, there's no right and wrong answer to this. You know, you do what you feel is right. And I've done work for free and I've done a lot of stuff that I've done as kind of like, you know, quick pro pro where I've said, said, look, I'll do this for you. And then you do that for me. So I did a cover for Dan for Vanguard and he did me a pin up for the last GGA. And that was the trade. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's that way because we're all trying to support each other. And I figure, well, if I can get like a couple of covers out there that I've done for people, that's not hurting me in any way. In fact, that mm-hmm. looks quite good in my portfolio. And when I've spoken to people like Ryan Brown and people like that, you know, and they've said there's nothing wrong with doing work that gets you seen, you know, just don't give everything away and don't be exploited. And yeah. there's a difference. There's a difference. Like there was that, um, there was an, a, an incident not long back where I think it was Sainsbury's or, or somebody, I could, I could be saying it wrong here. So forgive me if it's not Sainsbury's who wanted, um, were looking for people to do work for nothing for the exposure it's like, well, you've got a lot of money behind you. Why would you, why would you do that? Expecting people to do some things for free when you're a That's big it. It's company that, like has that, big... that can afford to charge. Yeah, they have a marketing just fifty budget. quid at you. Yeah. So, it's yeah. kind of like it's like a lot of these competitions that companies run it's like that's fair enough and if you're happy to do it by all means do it yeah on the other hand if they're a company that is paying you know their big ceos millions exactly they can afford to even if it's like you know you get the exposure and 100 quid yeah it's like you can pretty much balance out all the exposure and 50 quid just something yeah you know a bundle of games or whatever yeah yeah exactly there's got to be um you know it's got to be worth your while hasn't it that's it. I think if you yeah. look at some of those that you're doing as, well, at least it's practice, both practicing yeah. doing the art and practicing in your stuff going out into the world and sort of testing the waters to see whether, you know, there is going to be comeback from it. Mm. That's absolutely fine. I think, like I say, I think there are people who take advantage. I think, likewise, there are artists that take advantage. Some, I think, do it because they don't want people wasting their time. Yeah. Because there's a ma- the amount of people you see that are like, you know, oh, I've got this idea. It's a 12-issue comic. It's going to be this. I just need the artist. And I fully understand an artist and that being kind of like, yeah, well, this is my rate because mm. I could see this disappearing after one issue, if that kind of thing. But it's like you say, it's a tricky thing. And at the end of the day, you've got to come down to a personal thing, what you're willing to pay and what you're willing to ask sort of yeah. thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's I mean, it's, you can waste so much time getting caught up in that whole thing. <laughs> oh i know you could you can tie yourself up in knots with it all can't you really about what's what's the best thing to do and and like damien said it's it's really your call on what you feel comfortable doing but quite quite right as well you shouldn't be exploited that's either. it and i think you know most people or decent people don't ever want to feel like they've ripped somebody off yes in the main they are they are yeah so and i think that's what you're looking for it's like i'm terrible like say the few times i've done commissions i've usually messaged andy and gone how much should i charge for this and then andy's told me a price and i've gone i'll do half of that yeah <laughs> yeah and then i've sent it to the person they've gone how much for it and i've been like has this sound all right and they've gone double it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like are you sure you know it's kind of oh you know especially when you do stuff for people and they go are you sure that's enough it's like well that's what i would have charged you know, uh, a stranger. So yeah. I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna charge you. Oh, and they'll they'll end up putting a little bit extra on for me. Say, oh, I'll put it a bit extra on for the for the extra work you put in. It's like, oh, that's really but, sweet. But I guess again, you know, the bit bit with this. Don't want to sound like we're being, you know, kind of down on anyone that that ups the prices, or whatever. I mean, then it depends what your motivation is. And if your motivation 
is to make money, then fine, you know, and you can do it, then good luck to you. But uh, you can't, I don't think you can pitch your prices based on other people if you're not no. comfortable with it. Mm. You know, like I say, if I, if I felt I was overcharging for something, it would reflect in the work, you know, because I'd be, I, I wouldn't be enjoying doing it. I'd be stressing about it. Whereas I'd rather charge less and enjoy doing it yeah. and, and still know that they're going to get something good decent, quality piece you know, at the end yeah. of it. But it's, it's people's motivations. Everybody's different. You know, everybody's different. Everybody's got different reasons for doing art or anything um but you've just got to find your own kind of level i think really and be happy with it you yeah. know don't look at what everyone else is doing and beat yourself up over it yeah i mean that's sort of a nice point to sort of wrap it up on so just sort of going out then what sort of <coughs> advice would you give to people looking to draw uh you know what how do you approach it like from a day to day, do you do yourself a set time? Do you go into, do you have a special space set up or do you just sit and draw? What sort of, what's your sort of setup and what sort of setup would you advise for people who are thinking about like either noodling or taking it up seriously? And um, it's open to Andy as well. So, <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny because we're incredibly lucky insofar as that we have a designated space in the house um to, to do art so it's basically just a converted loft the loft was already converted when we bought the house but it was just a, a place that we just filled for the shit you know like you do with lofts and then when we um and we before that we would just draw wherever we could we'd draw in the dining room um because we had a dining room table and we'd set up there and it, it, it just it wasn't ideal because every, every night sorry that's that was the dog shaking his collar every night we'd have to um put all our stuff up and then we take it all down again and clear it all off but do you know what you just you just got to do what you do to to do the the drawing so we're very lucky in, in later on down the line we, we were able to just um get the because the loft wasn't insulated so we got a quote for that and we, it was affordable so we did all that so we've we've got a designated space but essentially what i what i would advise people is not everybody can have that space. You know, not everybody has, and don't get me wrong, we don't live in a big house, we just live in a little terrace. But if you haven't got that space, just make a little bit of space for yourself, whether it's on the dining room table, whether it's on your lap while you're watching TV. And we do have a kind of um, time because because naturally, you, you know, you're doing stuff in the day. So we try and get grab a few hours in the evening to do some work. But don't put pressure on yourself either. Because like we've already discussed previously, if it's not working, it's not working. Don't pressurise yourself and think, I'm going to have to work from 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock. But if it's really not working, don't, don't, don't um, you know, flog it. Just just leave it and just do it again tomorrow. And I, we used to, we used to put pressure, intense pressure on ourselves. So I must do, you know, two or three hours, e you know, evening uh, work. It's, it takes the, it sucks the enjoyment out of it, essentially. So my advice to people is, Get yourself some, if you can, if you can afford it, or go to the library, if, you know, whenever libraries do finally open, or go online and get some reference online. Mm. Is, um, I mean, I learned by copying, basically. You know, after, after copying my dad, I'd, I'd get pictures and I'd copy and I'd copy, and that taught me, you know, lines and structures. And then I went from there to get, like, proper drawing books, how to draw, how to structure, and then I was able to teach them when I was teaching people how to draw. So that's probably the best advice I can say. It doesn't matter you don't need expensive um, sketchbooks, you don't need um, fancy thick paper. You don't need fancy pencils. If all you can afford is some basic cartridge paper and an HB pencil, just draw. Just It doesn't matter what you draw, whether you draw your own hand, your own foot, whoever you're with in the house, draw them, draw your dog. 
you know, draw a damn table, whatever mm. it is, just just draw and don't worry about what the final product is that you've done, essentially. It's just, you know, get stuff down on, on paper. I don't know if what's... Yeah, I think H is right. Mm. I think, you know, um, firstly, you've got to want to do it. So if you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you don't enjoy doing it, don't do it. That's that's a golden rule for everything in life mm. with me, I'm afraid. Um, and as you get older, it gets a bit easier. You know, it's like the thing where you'd somebody would ask you to go to a party, something you'd feel obliged to go. And now, well, not now in these days, but prior to lockdown, you know, you get to the point where you're like, nah, you know, <laughs> I can't be asked. And it, but you've got to enjoy it and, and you've got to work at it as well. You know, you will stink sometimes and your drawing <laughs> will be shit sometimes. Don't worry about it. But you've just got to, you've just got to keep drawing mm. and, and the more you do, the better you will get. Yeah, and I've, learn, learn I've, by mistakes. I've always maintained, and H proved this when she used to run a, a community class, you can teach everyone to draw at a different level, obviously, but you can teach everyone to draw. And, you know, she'd have people go and say, oh, I can't draw. And then by the end of it, they would, some of them were doing these fantastic pieces of work that you were like, bloody hell you know that's really good and it was it was good at that level really good at that level and that's because they just practiced and they had a bit of confidence and you've got to have confidence in what you're doing and actually yeah just to just just to interrupt sorry a moment there is you're absolutely right is is i think a lot of art comes from confidence because if you haven't got yeah. the confidence, you won't have the confidence to put that pencil to the paper and you're never going to learn. And I used to say this to the art group and because I used to do like a demo with them and go, right, let's do this. And they go, well, it's all right for you because you can draw. You know, it's like, yeah, I said, but there was a time when I couldn't draw. And I said, and you're like that now, but you won't always be like that because it's all about having. Con and I watched their confidence rise from zero mm. and I gave them the confidence to do it. And from that. It was. I wouldn't say. Yeah, I taught them the, you know, the fundamentals of drawing. But it was them themselves. They're the pe They're the ones that made themselves draw better just by being confident. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's it. Really, it's just just enjoy it. Enjoy yourself. You know, don't put pressure on yourself. Enjoy it. And if you're happy with it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you're happy with what you produce, yeah. Do another and do another and just keep going. You know, I don't know about don't know about yourselves. Don't know about you, Andy. And I know Stuart. You've, you know, you you did that drawing every day and and that came along leaps and bounds and i try and draw something every day i don't always succeed but i'll try and get at least an hour in in the studio after work but mm -hmm. you know i don't know about you andy but i do find that if i start doing it regularly i get i do get better again mm -hmm. you know i start to improve um, it's like the comic stuff you know once i start doing the comics um you know and i'll have a break and i'll do portraiture and, and other stuff but then i'll come back to the comics and when i first start i'm like oh jesus i can't do this and then, you know, a couple of days into it and I'm back in the flow and I find it easier and easier each time I go back to it. So, you know, just, just mm. enjoy yourselves. But, but also, you're not, you, you're probably not the person to notice that you've got better either. No, no. no. You're absolutely right. No. Somebody else to, has yeah. to see that. Definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, it... I've, I've said this before. I hate everything I do. I, do I, yeah. I have this cycle with every piece of work and I bet you're the same, Andy, and probably you as well. I know H's, where you'll start off and it's like, you know, you start off and you think, oh, it's not bad, this. It's going all right. Yeah, it gets you know, to the stage. Yeah. You get to the middle and you go, oh, it's got, got potential. Get to the end. And the minute you finish it, you're like, oh, I shit, like I it. hate it. Yeah. Hate it. Yeah. Hate it. Absolutely. <laughs> but but that's good because I think then, the next, I mean, I don't hate it to the point where I won't put it out there or I won't do anything with it because what's the point otherwise? You know, and it's mm. not that bad, but it's not what I wanted to get from it. And I <laughs> think, yeah. right, okay, next time. 
I'm going to do it better. And, and that's the other thing. I see a lot of artists who produce the same work all the time. It looks the same. It's at the same level, be it good, bad, or indifferent, but it's the same work. And then you see other artists who progress. You see them do mm. something a bit different, you know, and, and change it slightly and, and progress. And they're the ones I find most interesting and the ones that I think, you know, get better over time because they may go back to a style they'd used previously, but having done other things improves what they go back and do. Mm. And I think there is a danger, people, if you're starting off art, don't get to a comfortable level where you think, right, am I always going to draw exactly like this? Because it'll show in your work eventually that it, it'll become stale. Tired. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, and try things differently. And if they don't work, yeah. Doesn't matter. Don't work. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's that it's that dreaded comfort zone, isn't it? It's yes. That, oh, totally. You know. Totally. Yeah, and I I do love pushing myself out of my comfort zone. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like being in my comfort zone doing stuff. But when and that's mainly when I'm doing stuff for other people because they're expecting a certain mm. kind of product from me. So I don't want to push it. But if I get the opportunity to push it for some, it's like I was, I did some a uh, commission for somebody. Um, who donated to charity for the commission. So I thought, okay, I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone for this. And I did it slightly differently because I thought, if it goes wrong, I'll just start it again because there's no deadline. So it, that was quite nice to do. And I thought, oh, mm. I can do it. You know, it took me longer and it was a bit more frustrating. But, you know, definitely, you're absolutely, I think there's a, a really cheesy kind of meme that says nothing, nothing's achieved in comfort zones or something like that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, they're cheesy, <laughs> but, you know, there's some, there's some truth in that that I think mm. you do push yourself. And if it goes wrong, goes wrong. But one day, it'll go right and you'll go, oh, I'm glad I did that now. I'm going to push it a little bit further. That's how we learn. That's how we evolve and mature in our in our art, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is good to try new things. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. It really is good to try it and it may work for you. A couple of years ago, H would tell you she can't draw animals. She's I, adamant. <laughs> yeah. And and she, even now she'd go, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you can stop saying that. But she would say, <laughs> I can't draw animals, me. I'm, I'm useless at animals. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you're really not. You know, yeah. no, I can't draw animals. I mean, Jesus That's Christ. That's because you not tried. <laughs> oh, no, no. But, you know, it's and it's that thing and it's that humility we've all got. And I know the four of us on this podcast have all got that, where, you know, none of us are actually, you know, pushing ourselves out there as the, the next greatest artistic thing. But we're all actually very, very competent at what we do. And, we've, and, and that shows in our work, actually, that, you know, we've got that balance between being good at bloody good at what we do sometimes some of you guys and and but not you know not overblowing it and and mm. getting lazy with it as well because i think that's the other thing you'll you'll get lazy once you get yeah. comfortable mm. and if you get lazy you might as well pack it in you know absolutely yeah well, that's it i mean it's interesting what you say about progression it's like i don't recognize that i've got a style it's other people tell me that i have got a style because yeah I, I see it I, it's, it's funny because i was talking about I might have been with, uh, well, there's only really Damien, I speak to at the moment, but yeah, I was talking about this, it certainly wasn't with a dog, about the fact that I feel like I don't have a style necessarily, but I, I can look at other people's work and if there's no name on it, I could pinpoint yours, Stuart's, I could pinpoint yours, Andy's, I could pinpoint Damien's, but for me, I, I feel like I can't pinpoint my style. See, I'm the same, I'm com yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have a style. But you see, I think you do. Yeah, I, I'm, and I'm convinced I don't, and, and I quite like not having a style. I mean, it's a bit of a pain in the arse sometimes, because... You know, it'd be nice to be able to just click in and do something. But I don't feel I've got that. But what that makes me do is keep experimenting with different things, you know, um, different styles of portraiture or different different ways of inking or, you know, even even 
drawing comics. I mean, you know, there's the, the differences between the way I'm drawing the comics. And I don't know. I don't know. I think I do like people who've got a style that you could recognize. And maybe I do to a degree. But I don't think I do. I just I just think I just, I don't know. I seem to just ebb and flow a bit, you know, try a bit yeah. this, try a bit that. If it's working, I'll do a bit more, you know. No, I'm the it's same a bit because, like because I never try and draw the same sort of style of comic twice unless it's part of a series. Mm. I don't sort of recognize it, but yeah, Andy's very much like it's very much your style. I'm like, really? I've have style, and yeah. it's but sorry, Andy, you were going to say. And see, it's a bit like having an accent, isn't it? You know, you you can you can swear blind, you don't have an accent. Yeah, but everyone else can hear it. You know. Yeah, it's it's funny because I used to work with a woman from um, it was in Wigan, but she was from Salford. And she said, well, I mean, I, I'm going to do a really terrible Salford accent now. But she went, I don't think I've got an accent like this. Well, that, mm-hmm. that's a bit, that bit cool. Cornwall, that that from then? <laughs> she, 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 she did was, say she doesn't do accents, no, to be fair to her. But she was, she's like proper, you know, Salford accent. And I went, I said, of course you've got an accent. She goes, I don't think I've got an accent. I said, no, you have. And it's like <laughs> me. I, I kind of, I think I've lost my Welsh accent. But if I'm angry. Yeah. Then it comes out really. <laughs> or you hit certain words. Yeah. It's like you can tell somebody's from Gloucester by the way they say Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> is it Jeremy Kyle? Or yeah, as in the Green Lantern Kyle Rayner. Yeah. It's like I always like the name Kyle, then I heard it said in a Gloucester accent. Because you don't notice it when you say it yourself. No, you don't. But then you hear somebody in the street or something just be like, Kyle, come over here. <laughs> but yeah, no, that name's ruined. <laughs> But, but yeah it's um but no i mean sort of the best piece of advice i got was from andy again but because you know he was he it is, give up he, he is the hitch to my oh, wow. wow dad <laughs> that's like mr miyagi kicking him in the nuts today. that's terrible <laughs> certainly now you've said that the piece of advice you gave me makes sense which was to not be afraid to actually put your work out there yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you who encouraged me to put up, start up the Facebook page, put my drawings on. Now yeah. I realise why you bastard. <laughs> it was because I used to be terrible. I mean, before social media, I used to draw something, and if I didn't throw it away straight away, I kept it for a week, and then next time I was tidying up papers, it just went out in the recycling. I did wasn't mm. precious keeping anything. So I've drawn that. I've got no need for it now. It goes kind of thing. But yeah, sort of. Andy encouraged me to set up a page and to not post pictures up being like, this is what I've done today. The eyes are wonky. The nose is wrong. Because You to did sell- do that for a long while. You, you were very, uh, what's the word? Steal the thunder. Depreciating. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, the, the very, de- de- was it self-deprivating? Is that the word? Yeah. That's yeah. the word, yeah. A lot, you know, and you was like, mate, shut up. Come on. You know, let other people you know, find problems. Don't <laughs> other people have fun. Everyone. <laughs> but it's really hard to put your work out there because I know yeah, we were just discussing before about like Instagram and things like that can be quite sort of smoke and mirrors. And although I'm putting quite a lot of work out at the moment and posting stuff, I tell you, I, I'm, I hover over that post button for some time before I do it because I'm thinking, ooh, and I'm thinking, do you know what? What does it matter? It doesn't matter. If people don't like it, they just won't hit the like button, you know? That's it. So, I mean, 99.9% of people are perfectly pleasant about it. Of course. They'll, they'll of either course. give it a courtesy like or they'll genuinely like it. But very yeah. few people will go on and be like, ah, shit, mate, what'd you post that for? Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're all brought up to say, if you are not, if you haven't got anything nice to say about you know, something or somebody, don't say anything at all, you know. But at the end of the day, what's the point of keeping things in our sketchbook at home if we don't put it out there, yeah. you know? Because that's the only way we're going to also get customers if they see you work and they like your work. Because I've got quite a few clients through Instagram, 
people seeing my work and going mm. and getting in touch and going, oh, I, I like you, you know, and it's, they've they've filtered through and gone to the um, website and things like that. And you think, well, it's worth putting it out there then. Just if I just get a couple of um, uh, customers from there, it's worth it, you know. And if I put a smile, and I know this is going to sound really cheesy now, but if I put a smile on somebody's face and somebody likes something, that's great, you know. I've achieved something with it. So yeah, no, I'm the same. I'd always much rather sort of connect with that one person than yeah. sort of catch the attention of twenty thousand people who don't really give a shit. They just exactly, <laughs> yeah kind of thing but it's taking the photos of your work as well and putting it out there or you know you sort of see it in a different light once you put it out in the world of course you do yeah either yeah. from a critical point of view or you know negative or positive mm. kind of thing mm-hmm. and um although i've recently become aware of if you flip the picture it looks yeah. completely different but once, once it's out there it's out there isn't it that's it it's like anything it's like musicians and bands in it as well. You know, I mean, I'm always wary of anybody who loves everything that anyone does. Yeah. Because you're thinking, you know, I mean, I love, I mean, I love, you know, lots of musicians, you know, I love Prince and Frank Zappa and all these kind of, you know, whole range of things. But I wouldn't say that I love every single thing that they've ever done. Oh, no, I like you. I love Prince, but there's some absolute fucking dross. In yeah. It. I mean, the shittiest song he did got was was that the only number one he had? You I know, think so. Yeah, um, most beautiful girl in the world, yeah. and it's a terrible song. <laughs> you know, but but again, it's and it's it's that thing about you know not worrying that everybody's going to love everything mm. or that not. you've got to love everything because yeah. they're not. Some stuff people will really like it or resonate with them, and some stuff they won't. And if you like it, just that's it. I mean, I know I've said it loads of times, but honestly, that's the key to all this this stuff we do, isn't it? Yeah. We do it because we want to do it, and we do it because we enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. If I stopped enjoying it, I'd just stop doing uh, it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's that's the key, and yeah, just enjoy yourself. You know, that's, that's what we've Especially always this said. Time. Do yeah. it because you love it. Don't do yeah. it because you have to. I think as soon as you feel like you have to do it, yeah. As soon as it, it feels like a job, up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a joy suck. Then I, I yeah. know Dan said that about comics, hasn't he? Where he said he doesn't think he'd like to make comics for a living. He thinks it no. would take the enjoyment out of doing it. Um, you know, I I disagree. I'd, I'd like to give it a go. I know that. <laughs> but but do you know what I mean? I can see where he's coming from, though. That If it becomes a job, um, would it be less enjoyable? And I, yeah, suppose... I suppose once you feel like you're part of a cog in a machine kind yeah. of thing, mm-hmm. it's, it becomes less about your artistic expression, doesn't it? And more about, I've got to churn these 24 pages out or else. Yeah, yeah, I've got a deadline. It, it was like that thing about working for Disney, wasn't it? I mean, I remember as yeah. a kid, I always thought, like, oh, I'd love to work for Disney as an artist. And then as I grew up and I read about it, I realised that actually you, you're not really working as an artist. You're, you're, just, you're on a production yeah. line where you just, you know, you're doing this and then, you know, you'll never actually do anything of any great note because you're part of a huge machine. And there's another 50 people like you doing the same work, you know, doing Mickey's other leg or wherever it might be. And it, that's yeah, it. That's the ones when that I tend to stand out, break off and do yeah. their own thing, don't they? Mm. It's like your Tim Burton's and sort of kind of like because he, he was a Disney animator for a while. And he was like, you're a bit too weird. Go off and do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he ever do? Hey? That's it. <laughs> what ever happened to him? I don't know. <laughs> But, the greatest Batman film ever made. Well, <laughs> two of the greatest Batman films ever made. That's it. Well, I mean, let's not underestimate Joel Schumacher. <laughs> rubber but, nipples. Oh, you can't go wrong with rubber nipples. 
Well, yeah. Batnips. Batnips. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know bats had nips, to be fair. <laughs> That's what his fifth film was going to be called. <laughs> but... <laughs> Oh, on on the subject of bat nips, then uh, where can people find you online if they want to check out your art? Or that was a great segue, that wasn't it? I know, yeah, I loved it. Well, you, you you can find all our work actually, including my bat nips on um, <laughs> www.batnips.com. Um, I say this on the podcast all the time, but we're everything is art nine two. So the website is art nine two dot com, um, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff because you know we can't deal with more than one username i mean christ i can hardly deal with having more than one name so uh <laughs> try and keep it simple we do have individual accounts um i can't remember any of mine to be honest but you can find them all spurring off, spurring off the but yeah. i think h can probably remember hers it's um it's helena edwardson art just simple as that oh yeah actually i'm damien edwardson out there you go that's that's helped me along <laughs> um yeah you can find us there but if you look at you know facebook or twitter or whatever art 92 and it's all letters not any numbers or anything and that's where you can see us we're just about to launch a new shop because the shop that's on the website we're closing down and we're going to launch it um through a different platform so that'll be coming out in the next week or so um but yeah i I just want to do a a little teeny tiny plug just to say that i'm doing i'll be host well i'm not hosting it but somebody else is hosting i'm doing my first online drawing workshop next month as well um, oh, fantastic. I was meant to be doing some actual physical ones last year, but of course they got kiboshed. Yeah. And this has been on the um, the back burner for some time, but it's finally got off the ground now. So um, I'm actually, it's somebody else who's doing all the hosting and I'm just going to be doing the uh, sort of, it's going to be a streamed thing. So it's a ticketed event, but I, I won't, I won't bang on about it because you can actually find the spur off my, um, the link in the bio of uh, Art92 and it'll take you through to the art mcr page where you can go and have a look and book tickets and stuff so just thought i'd get that out there because the great thing with being online is that i can actually have anybody from area anywhere in the country come to my art class which is great you know i'm not yeah. postcode kind of um, restricted so just a little plug there thank you for that no that's all right and yeah i highly recommend checking out both your guys artwork and the comics and that as well um yeah uh, galaxy wrapped and alliance and yeah the others <laughs> right, <laughs> in my head and they just all that's fell it. away that's it uh yeah sorry about that um but yeah you, they're all on the website and i assume when the new shop opens up you'll be able to buy them through that and and the like are they on comic house they are aren't they galaxy yeah, yeah, um they're all on comic house um so if you subscribe to that you can read them for free um i've never been in the top 10 of comic house that'd be quite nice Um, not that that i do top tens as you know Stuart, because they're fundamentally flawed in my opinion um but yeah so they're they're on there but everything will be through the the new shop and we'll just link it from all the socials it's just it's just an easier platform for us to manage and it's cheaper as well yeah because everything's got you know charges and surcharges so by the time you've knocked everything off you end up with like 12 pence (laughs) <laughs> coming into the account and it's like hang on i've not posted it yet yeah. so we're just trying to find ways of, of saving you grip. but yeah the, the, you can get there'll be a page with commissions and original art on there as well and there'll be um you know comics and and h's how to draw cats and dogs books and things like that will be on there so yeah check it out like i said be out hopefully in the next few days um, awesome. but definitely next week as soon as we record this yeah 
Awesome. And um, Andy, you never know where yours oh. are, do you? <laughs> Hang on. I, 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 had, I read it written down. Hang on. I am. On Instagram, I am I am Zoot Artist. And I'm on Facebook somewhere as well, if you can find me. I think I'm, if, you know, type in I am Zoot and I'll probably come up on Facebook. There you go. Done. Nice. And um, if you want to find me, and I'd recommend checking mine first and then going to the others. Purely because it's a progression up then. It's an upward curve. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter as at Token Nerd and Instagram and Facebook as Stuart Thinks He Can Draw, um, either by searching or it should, it should come up in a search. And um, you can find the Nerds Who Haunt Themselves on Facebook as um, uh, Nerds Who Haunt Themselves or facebook.com forward slash Haunted Nerds. We're on Twitter as at Haunted Nerds. Uh, you can find all our previous episodes under the podcast banner on the true believers website over on podbean spotify apple podcasts uh we're possibly on google music whatever it's called i'm not sure we seem to pop up in places um yeah if you like what you hear please subscribe and leave a comment or a review just it helps with the numbers and all that algorithm stuff that's what damien told me anyway and um and i was told that from a guy in america so it must be true (laughs) (laughs) and you can find our comics and the like on comic house or they're available to buy through etsy big cartel um other places the true believers website and yeah that's it um i'd like to thank andy as always for being on and for um to damien and h for joining us for this one as well no thank you very much for for having us thank you yeah it's been great great. i hope you've enjoyed it yeah Yeah, i hope you guys got something out of it and um yeah feel free to share any art creational comments wherever you see this thread posted up and yeah thanks for listening and thank you again guys for being on see ya bye 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 this has been a nerds who haunted themselves production if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to find out more please check out the show notes for links for where you can find us online as well as our guests thanks for listening bye